All right, so we are doing Tanya Meditations. A group of us finished Volume 1 of Tanya several weeks ago. Mazel tov for that, yay. And we've been doing <clears throat> Tanya Meditations, going back basically to chapters 41 through 50, which talks about different meditations which generate uh, various levels and kinds of awe and love of Hashem, and going through those meditations. If you did not study chapters 41 through 50 with us, that's okay. Um, if you did, obviously, you'll have a deeper appreciation of what we're doing. But if you didn't, I think these lessons are fairly self-contained. Uh, and if you weren't here for the past, I think this is our fourth week doing the meditations. Yeah? Okay. So I think it is, yeah. Uh, if you weren't here for the previous three classes, that's okay, too. Um, we'll... Uh, will guide you. Okay, so <clears throat> I want to look at a meditation from chapter 43 of Tanya. Yesterday, or not yesterday, last week, feels like yesterday. Last week, we did a meditation from chapter 42. And um, for those who were here, if you weren't here, you won't be able to answer this other than giving a random guess, which I'm not interested in. But if you were here last week, and you do remember... The meditation we did last week was to generate which... You have a 50-50 chance of being right, by the way. Which feeling? Oh, oh, very good. Oh, okay. Very good. And more specifically, what was the path? Could you describe it? You know, pitch it to me. Elevator pitch. What was the pathway to awe that the meditation we used last week used? Hmm? The sunset, what? Look at nature, the king's clothes. Right, that was the metaphor, the king's clothes. That's right, the king's clothes was the metaphor from last week. That um, the power, the sheer force and the magnitude of the forces of nature are like garments for the power of the creator who is invested in those, those powers. And so we... we thought about a sunset, we thought about the, the celestial bodies, and that filled us with a sense of, of awe, and awe is a sense of overwhelm, of just shrinking before the greatness of it all, or the greatness of the all, capital A-L-L. -L. But this week I want to do a love meditation. No, not all. <laughs> The opposite. Is, is, by the way, that is the, there's a concept of the uh, Hiskalalos Hamidais, that the attributes in the holy realm are interincluded with one another. In Klippa, in the negative realm, the Midais are at odds with one another. All of the traits are sort of egotistical. And so they don't leave space for each other, and they exclude each other. <clears throat> but in the realm of Kedusha, in holiness, <clears throat> all the traits, even traits that are opposite from each other, uh, ha are harmonized with each other. So it's interesting that awe is the opposite of love, but awe is like, awe, awe, that's so sweet, that's so cute, right? So that shows the Hiskalalos Amidais. 
that's my vort for those, for the kids out there who want to meme that on social media. There you go. Okay. So, oh yeah, we've got a big Gen Z following. We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very popular with the kids. Yeah. You know what comes after Gen Z, by the way? I found out. It's called Gen A. They went back to the beginning. It's like the hurricanes. You know what the hurricanes? They go back to the beginning again? Yeah. Why so many hurricanes? What? The, what's the, with the hurricane? Oh. oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, I remember when the hurricanes all had girl names. But that's misogynistic, so they... So now it's men and Now it's men who are alternating, right, okay. Which hurricane are they on right now? I don't know, whatever one it is, not making news right now. Okay. What's the difference between a hurricane and a superstorm? And it was Sandy, a boy, or a girl? Do you want to talk about Tanya today or no? Okay. Yeah, okay. So we're going to do a love. <laughs> so, yeah, Tanya could be a girl's name, yeah, but Tanya here. Yeah, yes, not only it could be, it is. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of Tanyas, yeah, okay. All right. So we're going to do a love meditation. And as we've mentioned... Chabad meditation. Chabad is Chachma Bin Adas. It's not just the name for the movement. It's not just the name for the school of mysticism. It is all of those things, both of those things. But it's also, uh, originally, Chabad means Chachma Bin Adas. I'm pointing to the Chachma Bin Adas. The uh, intellectual faculties. And his Beninus Chabad, Chabad meditation, is basically processing, intellectually processing information. Basically, subjects that we've studied in Chassidus, mystical, spiritual teachings, and then allowing those concepts to be internalized deeply enough that it moves from intellect to emotion, from head to heart. So the, as we've explained, the goal of any hisbeninus, which is the proper word for this type of meditation, is to produce an emotional outcome. And the emotional outcomes are like, I've also mentioned previously as well as alluded to earlier today, uh, basically there are two options. It's either love or awe. And love is the energy that motivates you to go toward the beloved. That's why all positive commandments are an act of love. You do something for your beloved and awe is the opposite movement. It's backing away. It's giving space or it's self-containment. That's why negative commandments, the prohibitions, are an expression of one's awe of Hashem, where you step back and don't do what is displeasing to Hashem. So, and we established in chapter 41 that you have to start with awe. Awe has to be the foundation of the relationship. First the awe, then the love. And we did an awe meditation, I think, uh, in connection with chapter 41 as well, in a previous week. 
But now I want to do a love meditation. So I'm going to look in the text of chapter 43. Um, in fact, I'm going to I'm going to back up a little bit before. <clears throat> If you have a Tanya, um, we're starting Vihine Ba'ava Yesh Gam Madregus. If you don't have a Tanya, you'll just have to take my word for it. It's in the middle of the chapter. He'd been speaking about awe, and then he, sh he shifts to speak about love. So he says, in Ahava, in love, there are also two levels. He had just said how there are two levels of awe. The higher level, the lower level. We're not going to get into that because I want to focus on the love. But he says, in love, there are two levels. Now, there are actually m m many more than two levels, and there are lots of different levels and types. Who's saying this? The Altadev is saying this. Well, two general categories. For, sim for the purposes of simplification, we're talking about two levels. Okay. Ahavarabo which literally means great love or abundant love, va'ahavas oilam. Ahavas oilam, you could translate as eternal love. The word oilam, like la'oilam va'ed, means forever. Which one is Hagla Mishutarabi? Neither. I said that. First thing I said. Ahavos Elam usually is translated as eternal love. In this case, that's probably not the best translation because as he's going to explain, heads up, spoiler alert, Elam here actually means Elam like the world. The world is called Elam. So Ahavos Elam doesn't mean Oilam like la'ilam va'ed, eternal or forever, it actually means literally oilam, a worldly love. What's a worldly love? Well, if I tell you now, we won't have anything to learn, but just heads up. That's what it means. It means a worldly love. But which is funny because it's a love of God, isn't it? That's what we're working. Yeah, it is a love of God, but it's a love of God that's called a worldly love. What does that mean? I don't know yet. We'll find out. Okay. Ahavarabo. So now he, he, he explains first Ahavarabo. He Ahavabatanugim. He gives it another name. Ahavarabo is one name for it. You guys all know that in Siddhis, one concept can have many names. And you also probably know that one name can refer to many concepts. You've encountered that, right? You've already experienced the frustration. But, but Rabbi, didn't we just learn? And I'm like, yeah, well, that was that page. This is this page. So my veterans here all understand that. By the way, that's just the hallmark of when you're dealing with spiritual concepts. Because in the physical plane, you don't have that. One thing cannot be in two places. 
And two things cannot be in one place. So when it comes to physical objects, things are very, very limited and defined. Yeah, the descriptions are pretty consistent. Um, but when it comes to spiritual concepts, they're not limited that way. So sometimes you have one concept that has many names, and sometimes you have one name that refers to multiple different concepts, and it depends on context, and you have to just know the context. Those who have studied this with me for a while, you've all experienced this, right? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right. So Ahava Rabba is also called Ahava Batainugim. Ahava Batainugim is actually a term from Shir Hashirim, which is that wonderful lyrical love poem. Yeah, King Solomon. Okay. Vihi shalaheves ha'oila me'eleha. It is a flame that rises of its own accord. You know what that means? It's burning like very... Uh, it's a strong fire, not like a wimpy little fire that needs to constantly be relit. So it's a very passionate Ava Batainugim. Ava Batainugim means a love of delights, a blissful love. It's a powerful flame-like love. Uva milamailo, it comes from above, Babichinis Matona, as a gift, Lemish Shuhu Sholem to someone who has already achieved complete awe of God. It comes as a gift from above to one who has already achieved complete awe of God. In other words, it is not directly attainable. Uh, more like a tzaddik. More like a tzaddik. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's automatic after you've done a whole bunch of other stuff that most people will never do. So it's sort of like those credit cards that you can't apply for. Like they tell you yeah. if you could apply for. You know what I'm talking about? Was that Amex Black card? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. There are no ads for it. Right. They let you know that you have that card. Yeah. al like it's known from the saying of our sages, Darke shall ish. It is the way of a man to go after a woman. Now, I have to explain what that means. On the simple level, it means, on the most simple level, it means it is the origin of womanhood is that Chava was extracted from the Adam. The Adam was neither man nor woman. It was both. And the femininity was extracted from that and then what was left over or left behind was the masculinity and then the masculine half had to go and pursue and get back its feminine half that it had lost and since that time it is the responsibility yes gender roles are based on some existential truth it is the responsibility of the man to find his other half in other words um, it's more like, well, the sages say, if you lost a lost object, should it come looking for you or should you come looking for it? So really it's the job of the male to find his feminine half. You just, you disagree with it? Well, yeah, well, yeah, you got to work on both sides. But 
it is the responsibility of the man to go find his female half. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay. At any rate, that's what it means on the most literal level. I'm not interested in discussing that anymore. I want to talk about the spiritual level. Okay. I don't want to talk about the literal level anymore. We're done. Okay. Ish and Isha in spiritual archetypes, male and female, in the spiritual realms, are Chesed and Gvura. Are you familiar with that? Yes. So, which one is which? Well, female and Gvura. Absolutely. 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 That's even stronger than absolutely. Maybe we're thinking from the left. Is that the... I'm not familiar with it. You're saying you've heard this concept that Tava was taken from the left side? No, I'm asking. No, I'm not familiar with that. But at at, at any rate, in the spheroids, the right side is masculine, the left side is feminine. That's why even in Moichen, in the intellectual spheroids, Chochma is the father and Bina is the mother. Chochma is on the right, Bina is on the left. So in the Midas, in the emotions, Chesed which is on the right, which is kindness, is male, and gvura, which is restraint or containment, is feminine. That's on the left. So we're not going to get into a discussion about this at length because it's not the point here, and you can grapple with whether you think this aligns with your understanding of gender roles or of gender archetypes, and I'm really not interested to get into that right now. But the point is that male and female represent chesed and gvura. So the fact that the male goes after the female, pursues her, follows after her, means she'ahava nikres ish, that love, which is a, an expression of chesed, is called the man, v'zochar, or masculine, k'meshikosov zochar chastai, Zohar Chastai is like play on words, meaning that Zohar, masculinity, is connected to um, Chasid. Ve'isha, Isha Yiras Hashem, right? Like it says in Proverbs, in the Woman of Valor, which is also King Solomon. Ve'isha Yiras Hashem. The Isha is called Yiras Hashem, Kanoida, as is known. In other words, the man goes after the woman means that the love of Hashem goes after the awe of Hashem. In other words, what were we talking about? We said that the Ahava Rabba, a.k.a. Ahava Batainugim, comes as a gift to someone who's already achieved the ultimate level of awe. So what does this mean? It means the love comes after the awe. The, the love follows the awe. So there's no way to achieve ahavarabo. All you can do is do the highest level of yiro, yiro yilo, and then they will contact you and say your ava betainugim is on the way. Now by tell? Yeah. Does this include love compels flesh? That's a different love. Right. Don't get confused. That's a different chapter, different love. Remember what I said? There are many types of love and levels of love and awe. But we're going to focus on these ones. Okay. So I only want, don't get confused. I want you to only think about two things right now. Avarabah and Avasalem. Very good. 
just those two things. The only thing I need you to know about Avarabba, because it's not even, when I, tell me why this is an, an obvious truism. We are not going to learn how to achieve Avarabba. Why? Because it's not attainable. Very good. We just said it's not attainable. Okay. Fine. All right. Fine. Ublik dimasayira ni afshilagiyalavarabazu. So without first having the awe, it's impossible to have this love. Kiyavazu hibimichinus hatzilos. It's actually from the world of hatzilos. The last man coming from a pristine world where there's no separation. Okay. So we're not going to learn how to attain avarabo or avabatainugin. Ah, however. Avaselam. Okay, now we're going to slow down because this is really the point here. Avaselam. This love that we call Avaselam, which is really, like I said, very good worldly love. He haba'a mahatvuna vidas. It comes from understanding and knowing. Bigdulas Hashem, ain't of Baruchu, the greatness of Hashem. The infinite one, Hamamalikolalmin, who fills all worlds, the Sevikolalmin, and transcends all worlds. Vukulekamekle Mamishkoshev, and everything before him is as naught. Ukabetel Dibur Echod Benefesh Hamaskelis Beede Bemachshafta Ebe Mechbehemdes Halevkiniskila El. And the whole world, metaphorically, is as insignificant compared to him as is a spoken word before it is spoken, while it is still in your mind, and even before that, when it is still an unarticulated emotion in the heart. So we're thinking about what? We're thinking about the greatness of Hashem, who fills all worlds, who transcends all worlds, and before whom all is insignificant. That's what we're thinking about. Asher al is that through this his bainness, through this meditation, automatically the attribute of love will be stripped from its garments. We're going to, to strip away the garments that the love is now dressed up in. In other words, we're extracting the love energy from the containers that it's being held in. What does that mean? Dahainu, that is to say. That is to say. Shalaitis labish bishum dvar hanova tainu gashmi ayruchnila ava aisai our love will not be invested in any pleasurable thing, whether a physical pleasure or even a spiritual pleasure, that that should be our object of love. And not to desire anything of this world, other than Hashem Himself, who is the source of all the pleasures. The source of the life force of all the pleasures. What are we saying here? We're saying like this. Right now, we already have love in our lives. 
we experience love, we feel love, and that love is toward whatever it's toward, whatever it is that you love. People love different things. Some people love their hobby. Some people love certain indulgences or pleasures. Some people love uh, things that are more noble, maybe your, your family. Doesn't matter. The point is, we all have love in our lives already. I'm not talking about the love we receive. I'm talking about the love, <clears throat> the output, things that we feel love toward. By the way, this is why, parenth- parenthetical sidebar here, it is difficult to learn to say this with people who are emotionally closed off because if you don't have a reference point for regular mundane emotions, it becomes very hard to use that as the metaphor to step into having holy emotions. And this is a common struggle. Um, I don't want to editorialize over here, but it's a common struggle that people don't necessarily know what it means to have emotions even in a human way, and then they start trying to learn chassidus and have feelings about God, and it's like, well, you're not even in touch with the fact that you love your whatever, your, your parrot or your car or, I don't know, your new shoes. And if you're going to put that down and you're going to be ashamed of it or you're going to get all flustered when I mention it, like then where are we working from? Where's our jumping off point? If you, can't, if you, if you don't know what it is to love your parrot or your, <laughs> what did I say, or your car, your, your new pair of shoes, okay, so what do you love? It's got to be something. Like you, you have to have the word love has to mean something to you. I don't care what it is that you currently love. You have to have an experience of loving something. Otherwise, the word doesn't mean anything. So then when I say, now we're going to love God, well, you know, it's hard enough to talk about God because God is so big. Like, how do you relate to such a concept? But then if the word love is also unrelatable, so you got two words in one sentence that are totally unrelatable, and it's like, doesn't doesn't bode very well for any type of practical application. So what we're saying here is, Right now, he's not guilting you for having love of other things at all. To the contrary, it's like, <laughs> it's like don't lie to the emergency room nurse. Like, first of all, they're not judging you, right? Um, second of all, it's like life and death. So you got to just tell the truth, right? Um, you know that people lie to emergency room nurses and it's like very dangerous, okay? Like, it's not the time to be ashamed. I'm not sure if this room here relates to this about being ashamed, but there, definitely there is a certain irony of the types of people who learn Siddhis, who, like, want to have, like, lofty, spiritual, holy uh, emotions, are ironically, paradoxically, the same people who will get, like, really uptight and self-conscious if you ask them, tell me some mundane things that you're... you're that you love, 
And they'll be like, no, I don't want to. No, that's, that's beneath me. But here's the deal. What, what we're doing is we're tapping into the love that we already have toward whatever it is that we love. Um, and what we're going to do is, like I said, strip away or extract the love energy from where it's currently being channeled and then reclaim it and elevate it to God. So in this case, the love that we're using or that we're building off of, I should say, is whatever love that you already experience. And again, I'm not talking about the, the feeling of being loved. I'm talking about your feeling of love, the output, what you have love toward. Okay. Yeah. Our spiritual world is really the reality and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Why seeing need to use non-reality with the physicality to connect with our... It's a, it's a wonderful question. And, okay, I'm just going to repeat the question, which is, the ultimate reality is not the physical plane. The physical plane is... Uh, the, 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 the concealment... So why are we, especially, I guess you're asking in this context, like, why are we even giving credence to these things that are products of concealment? Like, let's go to the pristine archetypes. So here's the deal. If this was a chassidus class for disembodied souls in heaven, then that's what we would do. But we're trying to experience love of God in our embodied state. So I need to get my animal soul on board here. I need to hopefully, it's hard as it is, even get my physical body on board here. In other words, I don't want to set the bar too high, but if possible, I don't even want to just experience a mental shift. I want to get that love feeling flowing so much that I, I actually, it, it affects me physiologically, that I actually have a physical reaction, a bodily reaction to it. So, yeah, I'm going to speak a language that my animal soul understands because that's really who I'm, that's my audience here. So this is part of Dirabatakhtayim, yes, yes. Dirabatakhtayim is not just the refining effect of our mitzvahs on the physical objects around us. It's also the refining effect on our bodies when we get our physical self, our mind-body uh, system, to be aligned with these spiritual truths. So yes, this is th this is as well. Very much so. Yes. Okay. So, what's the meditation? We've already started the meditation. He says, we're thinking about Hashem who fills all worlds and surrounds all worlds. You can already start thinking. And everything before him is as naught. And he actually gave us a metaphor very quickly because he'd already given the metaphor earlier. The, the relative non-existence of a spoken word before it is spoken. When it is included in the thought that becomes the speech or even before that when it's included in the emotion that has not even been articulated yet as a thought. That is how fleeting 
how ephemeral the physical world is. Okay. So what we're doing is we're thinking about how total his existence is and how relatively um, unreal physicality is. Not that it's an illusion, God forbid. We're not saying like in the Lahavda, like the Eastern mystical traditions that the physical world isn't real, but we're just saying compared to the infinite source, all this stuff that we love is insignificant. And yet we love it. So there's, there's something there to work with. What we're doing is we're acknowledging the love that we already feel, and what we're trying to do is it's sort of like love by association. I think I've shared this before, maybe not in this, with this group, because I've <clears throat> taught Tanya a bunch of times now here in the Five Towns, so maybe it was a different time we went through Tanya. But I think I told you about this guy. I remember at a Fabrengen once in Crown Heights. This guy was talking about how he became religious. And he said <clears throat> that he loved his favorite thing in the world was Mel Brooks. I guess not the person, but the creative output of Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks movies. So he's like, I love Mel Brooks. That was my thing. He says, and then I thought to myself, who created Mel Brooks? That's how the guy, don't judge it. That's how he became religious. I love Mel Brooks. Who created Mel Brooks? Oh my goodness. That's who I really love. Okay. So, the point is to do that for whatever it is that we already love. Do you understand now why this is called Avas Elam? You get it? We're taking our love for things of Elam, of the world, and we're realizing how those things are really enlivened by and dependent upon the source of all life. So if you love whatever it is that you love, wouldn't you love equally as much, if not more, that which is the source for what you love? Now, I'm going to head you off at the pass because I see those gears turning and you're saying, well, okay, but by that same logic, there's a lot of stuff I hate. Did I know where half of you were going? Or some of you at least? No, I'm not saying you. I'm, I said half of you, not you. Some of you are like, this stuff I hate. You get, okay. So that's not the point right now. This is not, <laughs> that's not the discussion. This is not a philosophy class. We're not talking about the problem of evil. We're not talking about theodicy. That is not the point here. Right now we are talking about a method for cultivating love. So this is not a big discussion about uh, stump the rabbi, why do bad things happen to good people. That's not what we're discussing. What we're discussing right now is um, you want to feel love of God? And don't ask me, don't, well, no, I actually never said I want to feel love of God. The assumption is that we want to feel love of God. Okay. You want to feel love of God? Okay. I'm giving you a method. A method. Are there other methods? Yes, there are other methods. This is a method, and it's called 
Ahavas Eilam. Ahavas Eilam is a method and a result and a level of love. It's all of those things. Yeah, what are you going to say? I understand that I am a metaphor in that commercial that was really helpful. I cannot say that while it's good, it's kind of made of the name. So, if you are a man of me, you just reject her. So, I see state of rejection of our name. It's a very nice visualization. And then there's this concept, I don't know where it's sort of from, that Charlie's thoughts, the writer, the author of the book, and like, it's right. me all there. Yeah, Seifer, Seifer, Sipur. It's from Seifer Yitzira, yeah. Yeah. You hear this, this metaphor, like a projected film on a screen? So it's like, you, you, I, I'll, I'll fill in a little more, I'll, jazz it up a little bit but like let's say you're seeing this movie and you're having such an emotional reaction to it hold on a second like just projected there's a projector so and then i guess beyond that there's not just doesn't mean to go love the projector or the or the projectionist or whatever it is but i guess it means the person who made that film so at any rate but it's a it's a great visualization like here you are, you're reacting to this thing and you're having a strong feeling about it. But hold on a second, like trace it back and then, right. And that's what that guy did with the Mel Brooks. Although he probably started with actually watching a Mel Brooks movie. And then, hold on a second, I love this guy who made it. No, I love Hashem who made Mel Brooks who made the movie. Yeah, it is pretty deep. Yeah, I made the guy religious. Yeah. Okay, it worked. Okay, let's let's do a couple more. Yeah, yeah, all the cool stuff happens at Fabregas. Yeah, like late in the middle of the night, toward the end of the Fabregas, when people are just saying all types of stuff, and some of it is inane ramble, and some of it is like absolute gems that you remember thirty years later. The footnotes and annual reports. What? That's where the gems are? What are annual reports of what? Corporations. Corporations? I'm so, I don't relate to that metaphor. But thank you for sharing. For those who do relate to that world, I don't know what that is, but okay. I'm sure there are people who relate to that. Okay. All right. Let, let's, let's wrap it up here. Um, like we said, we're going to strip away our love. Did you catch that? Not just from all material things, but even spiritual things, spiritual pleasures. Yeah. We're going to strip away our love for even spiritual pleasures. Remember when the Al-Tarebbe said to Hashem, I don't want your Gan Eden, I don't want your Elam Haba, I just want you. Okay, so we're really stripping it away because if all you can do is strip away your love for material things, but then just sort of upgrade to loving spiritual things, you haven't really gotten to the core yet. I mean, that's actually the sales pitch for a lot of, a lot of people represent Judaism that way. What, what, what do you like a steak for? Are you going to eat it and the pleasure's gone? You should learn Torah and then you'll have eternal pleasure in Gan Eden. Well, I, that's an upgrade. Certainly an upgrade, it's, but it's still pleasure-seeking. It's still seeking out some object of fulfillment. Yeah. I think of 
problem that a lot of people have now is that they confuse love and pleasure. They don't really know what love is. That's true also. That Okay, that's another discussion. Yeah, okay. That's correct. Okay, but for now, let's simplify it by saying that the things that give us pleasure, we love. Although, you're right, pleasure and love are very different things. But things that give us pleasure, we love. And what we're saying is to think about where that love is being directed. I'm repeating words that we've read already. And to only love Hashem, who's the source of life of all these pleasures. So imagine all these things that you love. Whatever it is. That they are all, this is our meditation, okay? All these things that you love, whatever it is, they are all betelem bemitzios. They have no independent existence. And before Hashem, they are as naught. Not even like one compared to a million. Because one compared to a million is still scalable. It's a million times... One is a million. We're talking about something finite compared to something infinite. So all these things that we love, what are they compared to Hashem? They're nothing. There is no comparison whatsoever. Like there's no comparison between nothingness and eternality. Like it says... Who is there for me in heaven? And along with you, meaning other than you. I don't have any desire for it here on earth. My flesh and my soul pine for you, my rock. Like it's explained later. All right, let's not get into that. All right, so here's, here's our meditation, all right? We think about the things that we already have love for. We think about how every one of these objects of our love, however great it is, even if it's a spiritual concept, ultimately is finite, and that the real object of our love logically should be Hashem or really is already Hashem even if we don't know it and we're trying to guide ourselves to knowing that and then consciously experiencing that love as love of Hashem so Avasayla means the love that we already have for that which Hashem has made reclaiming it or recognizing it as love of Hashem himself Should we sit here quiet for one minute and everybody try to do that about a couple things? Sure. If you have to go, you can go. Otherwise, let's just sit here quiet. Think about a couple of things that you have some affection for and think about the relative nothingness of those things. Nothingness, not in a void or a vacuum, but nothingness meaning in comparison to Hashem's everythingness.
Okay, so you can you can do that as long as you want. You can go home and do that for another hour or two. No extra charge to do that all day long if you want. 